Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in everybody to the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host Jake Burns, where we are going to go over a lot of things that happened in the Orange and Brown practice session held at the stadium. I want to first comment on the fans, which made a really fantastic practice environment. I think I think the official total is up over twenty seven thousand people that were there, and it was for a good while uh, pretty crowded. There were. There were quite a few folks there when it clicked over to noon. As you all know, the rain hit, weather hit, inclement weather, pushed a lot of people out, and I think kind of cut a lot of people's day short. It's still Sunday uh, here in, in the off-season, kind of air quotes, off-season. So I think some folks were sort of subjected to leaving early. But as things got going about 1 o'clock, it was a really beautiful day and a really cool environment. Got to hear Kevin Stefanski talk at the beginning. Got to hear Baker Mayfield say some words. And it felt like that 2019, you know, home field advantage situation, man, where the where the fans are making a ton of noise. And there will be, you know, what, there's 20,000, probably going to be three times as many people there when things actually start to matter. I think the I think the Bears will, the Texans will come to visit week two, and then the Bears will come to visit week three. I expect those games to be disturbingly loud. Uh, they've done some nice things with, the stadium, I think you're going to like the look of it inside, including the 1946 banners. It's really cool, really cool setup. Let's talk practice, though, because that's why you're here. Um, a really, really interesting session. And, and again, if you were expecting like a full-on nonstop scrimmage, you were probably a little jarred by by what you saw. I mean, it starts off with stretching, starts off with individual periods, some defensive uh, collection periods, offense-defense-together period where you could do what's called uh, some people call it dwarf, which is uh, defense and offense, recognizing formations, kind of running through things that you're going to be doing for the day, install period, whatever. So each practice has a focus. It's not like you show up to the first practice and all of a sudden everything's installed. You have to slowly install chunks of your playbook and get it uh, get it all squared away by the first week. That's the goal. So, you know, what they're putting in for the day, that's what they focus on, so on and so forth. And about i would say about 115 of a of a practice has started uh i don't know practice started a little at 1240 or so 1250 so probably actually closer to 130 we started to get some team sessions and things that you saw uh third and long were the early team sessions i think they did a lot of third and longs third and eight plus they did a red zone session so everybody working from the 20 yard line in uh they did seven on seven one-on-ones they did two minute period to close practice so those are a lot of what you saw I have notes here from things that I saw. I kind of recorded everything I could possibly record to go back and watch it. Guys who stood out to me, definitely really, it's it's jarring when you get up up close how big Andrew Billings is. There's a couple times Andrew Billings got after Wyatt Teller. Um, so we're going to obviously start defensively. I thought Andrew Billings showed out really well. Malik Jackson, when he got opportunities, showed out pretty well against the first team. The two defensive ends are, are what you... Uh, what you want, man? They are the they are as advertised between Miles and and Clowney. They're tough to block, really tough to block. So I like that second group D line. Marvin Wilson and Tommy Togi. I had some reps I really liked. 
I like. Uh, I really. I think Tommy Togiai can be a nice player. I think he's got to continue to work on explosion, initial explosion, but create some havoc in the backfield every now and again. Sheldon Day continues to get early reps. He's an interesting player, number ninety-two. If you end up going to practice, watching has some long hair. Um, I think he's your backup interior one technique. He backs up Billings. Still kind of figuring out who your backup three is. I think Damian Square has a uh, potential to be that player too. Malik McDowell left with an oblique strain, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely the guys that I'm noticing. And I, I saw Elliott out there a little bit too. I, I just this this defensive line is a mystery in the interior of it because uh, we're gonna have to wait until the first preseason game because there's a lot of names and a lot of jerseys I'm seeing guys getting important reps and. They're popping every now and again, so we're just going to have to get a feel for that when we can actually watch it, rewatch it on TV and break it down together. Uh, Porter Gustin, second-string snaps. Joe Jackson got some second-string snaps at the end. Uh, Curtis Weaver looked okay. He's got some edge, uh, upfield rush ability, not consistent enough for me to feel good about. I really, really hope Tack McKinley comes back in that regard. We'll see if it, if it shakes out that way, but they, they could certainly use Tack for an edge boost uh, for this roster linebacker Jacob Phillips and Mac Wilson handled your first team duties uh, Jacob Phillips your your mic calling plays Mac was your will talkie talkie and three linebacker base sets so they're always going to come out the Browns are in 13 personnel three tight ends one back they're going to match it with a base three linebacker look and talkie talkie steps on the field for those um, I thought Mac Wilson had a pretty good practice Jacob Phillips too they played very forward very aggressive I liked the reps from them uh, JOK with the second group with Malcolm Smith. I like some of JOK's stuff. He had a one-on-one period where the running backs were in uh, pass protection, blocking linebackers, blitzing, and I thought one time Kareem Hunt buried him. The next play, Nick Chubb kind of gave him a stonewall. I thought there were some welcome-to-the-league rookie moments for JOK, but I thought overall he played really quickly, uh, really, really quickly. I thought he attacked. When he reads, deciphers, attacks, he gets to where he needs to be quickly. He's going to be a guy who evades uh, uh, upfield blockers more than he takes them on uh, to stack and shed. But that's okay. You can win that way for the most part, and I think that's how he's going to win early on in his career. Still very much in the field-out process. And you have to remember, too, especially when the twos are going up against the ones, which is things that we saw, that Browns offensive line, obviously very good. So you got to take that into account, too. JOK, again, getting his feet wet, getting his feel for what he wants to do in the defense. Thought he was pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Malcolm Smith, solid. I saw some Elijah Lee mixed in there. Uh, that's, that's about it for the linebackers. Corners, greedy and... Newsom and Troy Hill were your your three guys. I thought Troy Hill played a lot of outside reps, which if Denzel wasn't practicing, scheduled day off, I think if they're going to do, uh, let me put it this way, if there's a situation arises where Denzel misses time, again, not out of the realm of possibility based on his data, uh, hopefully that changes this year, but if it does come up, Troy Hill, his career prior to Cleveland in L.A., all before they let go of Nikel Roby Coleman after 2019, so in 2020 he went to the slot, he was an outside corner primarily, so it's nothing new for him. He can play that in a pinch. And what I did find interesting was later in the practice, the two-minute periods to close, Greg Newsom was your slot corner. So when they went nickel, he stepped in and played inside while Greedy was outside and Troy Hill also outside. Something they'll move around. They'll, they'll, they'll mess with that stuff. But they, they made note of it in minicamp that Newsom could play inside, and they were going to try him inside a little bit. So that's something that they're messing with. So otherwise... Uh, a pass interference on, on Newsom that ended in the corner against DPJ was one of the negative parts of that. But I thought they covered well. I thought, you know, no, again, nobody's bringing anybody down in this session. They're trying to avoid injuries as best they can. Going live, but just sort of thudding them up or tapping them on the way by. And I thought, 
I thought for the most part, Newsom was pretty solid. Troy Hill too. Greedy got burned a couple times. It's going to be a huge field out process. Greedy got beat over the top on a fade in the seven on seven period. A heck of a diving catch by Richard Higgins. Uh, that particularly stood out. Javante Moffitt and and um, I, I guess I should finish up corner. AJ Green pretty solid again with the twos. Like him. Robert Jackson ran a lot with the twos. You don't want to play Robert Jackson a ton. They were forced too late in the year last year. Hopefully this year they can avoid that sort of situation. Uh, overall, did not did not did not want to see a ton of Robert Jackson out there. More of a special teams guy, but they'll play him in a pinch if they have to. Nice little play in the in the red zone period by Emmanuel Ragumba, who's a undrafted free agent out of Miami, Ohio. Stood out play. MJ Stewart again floats between being the the nickel in certain situations as the second guy in the nickel position. Also playing a little safety as they are thin. Javante Moffitt and John Johnson. John Johnson's all over the field as advertised as a football player. Javante Moffitt kind of stood out for having some issues. He gave up a touchdown in red zone and quarters coverage, getting beat back inside on a seam route by Najoku. He got uh, picked on on a touchdown by Harrison Bryan on a late throw deep over the middle back of the end zone touchdown catch. So Moffitt is he's trying. He's doing his best. He's clearly not Ronnie. Harrison or Grant Delpit, both of which are coming back from hamstring injuries. The position's very thin. Richard LeCount getting used to NFL speed. He got a touchdown caught over his head on a corner route by Harrison Bryant. I thought a screenplay in space. He did not break down in time. Uh, just has to has to get a feel for things going on around him again. After, after the accident that he dealt with, some of those things need him to uh, need him to to show a little bit in the preseason to be the guy I hope he can be for them in that secondary. That's really the extent of a large part of your safety, especially with MJ Stewart stepping in. It's just, it's a tough position group right now because so many guys are dinged up. They don't have a ton of guys to play back there. Elijah Benton getting some snaps too, but again, not much to really discuss other than I was very impressed with John Johnson Moffitt proving to, to be a fringe roster guy. We're just going to have to see how all of that kind of shakes out, but that's your defense. Jamie Gillen did a punting session. Inconsistent is the way to put it. He can do, He'll have three punts that are fantastic, great hang time, great great sort of the correct spin, whether it's a deep punt or a hanger that you're trying to pin down inside the 20. He'll have three out of five, but the other two will just be like, man, that's not nearly where you want it to be or that's not the hang time you want it. I'm a little a little nervous about, about Jamie Gillen. I need to see him bounce back in the right way. We could talk offense now a little. We should talk kickers too. We can we can change the kickers. Kickers kind of kicked a range of sh- of shots between the thirty five yard field goals and forty nine. Uh, Cody Parkey made four or five. He missed his forty nine yarder. Chase McLaughlin uh, made all five. Yeah, and, and again, just my on the side watching this, the ball jumps off Chase McLaughlin's foot a little bit better, and I liked his trajectory a little bit better as well, especially on the long kick which he made by. I would say five or six more yards into the mid fifties. I'm not saying there's a kicking battle, but I I just viewing it could be a dead leg day for Cody Parkey. I don't know, but just viewing it, I I was a little bit more impressed with how the ball. A Chase McLaughlin didn't miss, and that matters. And I just I don't know thought the ball came off of his foot a little bit better. You know that was the whole thing that the scouts talked about with with Austin Seibert was the ball booms off of his foot. Well, you know. Um, I'm not here to say that, but I just I just kind of thought it looked like the ball was coming off his foot a little bit better. Let's switch to offense. Uh, the first group of offensive linemen. I continue to be cautiously optimistic on Jed. I need to see him put it together. It, it, the body type is just really interesting to me. I, I I don't know, man. Very thin, 
very thin lower body for a tackle. I, I just I thought he was really good last year in past situations. It was not very conducive to run game success for him consistently. Uh, I think he's he's got the potential to be a really good player, but I need him to continue to grow and progress. I have nothing that says he's not right now. He is getting beat, uh, but again, and, and it's not every play, guys. I'm not trying to invoke panic here, uh, but uh, I just I just need to see him be more consistent, especially his year two here needs to be more consistent than year one. That year one, he had a bad habit of stopping plays in the middle of a play, stopping. He thought the ball was thrown or the run was past him. He'd stop and look around, and the play was still going on around him. Need some of those things to... Uh, to get better in year two. I think he can. He's obviously getting pushed really well in practice by two great great edge players, but I just need to see it. Some of those things you see at, at camp or on, on these practice days, the team practice days, and you uh, you get a little nervous, but then you see him playing. You're like, okay, that makes sense. I just need to see it with Jed. Otherwise, I thought the other four starters looked pretty good. Wyatt Teller a little sloppy. Uh, but again, Andrew Billings was giving him everything he could handle. Billings, one of the stronger dudes in the entire NFL. Second team, Forbes looked fine to me. Uh, I'm not sure he's in, in the same kind of condition he was when he came in. I'm not trying to say he's out of shape. Just the body looked interesting, but he, I thought he was he was fine. I don't know that he's ready to just step in and play this year, but I think he's fine. He'll make the roster. I think he's got a lot of potential. Obviously not nearly at the level of the two guards he's backing up. Michael Dunn getting center snaps. Playing guard, that guy is, an, is a lock roster pl- player to me. I think he plays this scheme fantastically. Really like him. I uh, like him a good bit. Nick Harris, I'm concerned with it, man. He's a smaller guy, and it continues to show up on tape. There's there's plays where he is just getting just mauled at the line of scrimmage. It was a snap where uh, Malik Jackson is a three-tech shot down on a, on a slant stunt that they had on and was one-on-one with Harris, and he's just getting driven into the backfield. Some plays where he's out-physicaled at the point of attack show up. His movement skills are fine, but he'll overrun plays. There's a pretty nice run that would have been a clear holding callback as he climbed to the second level against Jacob Phillips, uh, grabbed him up around the neck. Again, I, I I think Nick Harris can be okay. I get the pick. I get why they were interested. I get what they liked about him, but... The size stuff is a genuine concern for me. His his play strength, I'm just not sure, is ever going to be good enough to trust. Uh, maybe they keep trying to mold his body to what they want it to to look like physically, but he do, I mean, he's listed at 293, and maybe maybe 293, and that's the lightest offensive lineman on the team. I would say at that by a pretty good amount. Um, you, you're not you're not seeing many of them under 300. Even J.C. Treader, who I consider to be relatively thin, is above above 300. So take it for what it's worth. I'm just like, we're talking lock roster spots. That's one that makes me nervous. Chris Hubbard, uh, coming back from injury, I thought he was pretty solid. thought he performed pretty well. Second team uh, as your offensive tackle. I thought James Hudson, too, had some really strong reps uh, as, as you know, obviously the, the next tackle out. Liked what I saw from him. Alex Taylor, okay. I'm not sure about the movement skills. Need to see more of him. Excited about uh, watching him in preseason. Uh, a guy I'm interested in. Blake Hans left practice a little early. Had an ankle. I think an ankle got rolled up on with him. So I'm not sure entirely how uh, healthy, unhealthy he is. He's okay. He's not. Blake Hans is not anywhere near Michael Dunn at the point of attack play strength uh, in terms of angle correct angles i just i just don't necessarily love where he's at with that colby gossett's probably not going to be a guy that sees the roster greg's not not going to be a guy that sees the roster uh but okay guys late 
uh, late with late team reps, second, third team reps. Javon Patterson, another guy. I just don't I just don't see him making the roster, but guys that will continue to get reps through the preseason. I think your ten guys. In some way, shape, or form, Hubbard, Hudson are your backup. I'm talking this is past your obvious first five. Then you're probably looking at Harris, Dunn, and Forbes. Now, if they wanted to just keep nine, it comes to me between Harris and Dunn, and I think it's a really clear-cut case of Dunn. And, you know, I know you spent a pick on Harris in the fifth round or whatever that number ended up being, but sometimes you got to be like, okay, we found Michael Dunn, we came across him, we made a great pickup, and if we swap those two ideologically out uh, from – the spot they're at you don't really feel as bad about the pick I, I, sometimes you miss on these guys i'm not here to say nick harris is a miss already but i have genuine concerns about the play strength wide receivers uh donovan people's jones another nice day uh creating some separation running well in space i i the only thing about donovan people's jones i'll complain about right now is he's very chest catch based right now letting the ball get into his chest he's catching the football but when guys run into some troubles when they're not plucking the ball out of the air, and I didn't see a ton of uh, plucking the ball out of the air from him. Uh, Jarvis Landry caught a couple speed outs. I like that. Obviously, he he had a real chance on a on a vertical route where between Robert Jackson and uh, Moffitt, they busted a coverage in, uh, in, a, in a team period. It was a clear bust of coverage, and Jarvis was wide open, and Baker didn't see him and threw it late, and it was very ugly play in the two-minute period, uh, but it should have been a really big chunk play because that second group, they were a little confused. Actually, might have been LeCount, not Moffitt at safety, but it was a very clear busted coverage there. Uh, otherwise, you know, Jarvis 101 is very successful. He was fine. Pretty good day. Um, Hodge had a couple opportunities. Didn't end up making any plays on the football. Uh, the same for Jamarcus Bradley, who had a, a chance to catch a nice corner route uh, early in practice, but ended up dropping it on the way down. The ball was fought out of his hands, but Hodge was fine. Higgins made some plays. I really liked the cover two hole shot that he received from uh, Case Keenum, and I thought Case Keenum was pretty strong uh, overall. Nice ball placement, good touch. Again, if I was the Colts, I'd be calling about him because he could he could easily start for them. Just plant that in your brain. If I I would call about him in a heartbeat because I thought he was really good and he's been pretty consistent throughout camp, in my opinion. Um, like I said, Higgins had a couple nice catches, had a diving touchdown catch that they did a little rollout, the red carpet thing, which was really fun for the fans. Higgins gets open, man. You know, you might get more enamored with other players sometimes, but that guy just gets open, and he is really consistent uh, when things that matter happen on the field. I like him a lot. Um, otherwise, the running backs are good. I don't have to give you much on Nick Chubb and Kareem. They're very fundamentally strong. It's pretty clear they can make anybody miss in space if they want to. Really hard to gauge some of the thud-up stuff. Have to get a great end zone view to see the run game and their cutback lanes and stuff, but those guys are good. Dearness Johnson, John Kelly got a lot of the uh, second snaps, and and, and I think Dearness Johnson, just judging this and what they're what it looks like they're trying to do, I, I don't, you know, I didn't see, I didn't see. Uh, uh, Demetric Felton get any real running back snaps. It was Dearness Johnson getting the snaps after Chubb and Hunt, and then they would give Corey Taylor, who they just brought in, uh, the the young kid out of uh, rookie out of Tulsa. They just, like I said, just brought in, and John Kelly gets some snaps too. But I didn't see, and then Felton might be out there because Anthony Schwartz is dealing with a hamstring, and you know Odell's not practicing yet, so they're getting him a little bit of a look there. But again, 
Uh, Dearness was your next back, and, and we're just going to have to see how that shakes out. Maybe they're, they're curious about wide receiver depth early in the season here with, with keeping some guys they want to keep on the roster. But Felton took a ton of snaps wide receiver, had a couple catches, easy throws, speed outs. He dropped a ball on a dig over the middle, but it was a low throw coming in from the quarterback at a weird angle. I didn't, I didn't really necessarily blame him for that drop. Uh, otherwise, wide receivers, uh, JoJo Natson got a, a jet sweep. They're going to include more. I wrote about this the other day and, and what the offense is going to look like this year, how they can improve it. A ton of jet sweep motion action today. Not a ton. I would say some. I think they're going to include it. They actually gave one off, which Mac Wilson played really well when, when JoJo got it around the side. Uh, they just kind of handed that quick handoff to keep the defense honest laterally sort of thing, and it was played pretty well by the defense. He had a couple targets. Otherwise, not many other names stood out in the wide receiver room as far as like making an impression about being a rosterable player. Again, Jamarcus Bradley had a real chance for a play but didn't come down with it. Uh, that's probably it uh, for that group. Ryan Switzer didn't really have any targets. Uh, talking tight ends is where it gets a little tricky. Everybody wants to bury Austin Hooper. He had three drops, and they, the first one was on a boot uh, where he slid and then uh, you know blocked inside and then late release early to the flies wide open, and Baker didn't put it on him very well. It was a high throw behind him. He's got to catch it. Everything that touches your hands, you you got to catch. But that was not an easy, that was not an easy catch whatsoever. And it was behind him, and it, and it ended up falling to the ground. I just thought your quarterback and guys are wide open like that, and you're coming off the boot, throwing on the run. Just give it to him in a very catchable spot so we can catch it and run. I mean, it could have been a. 15-yard gain after the run, and even if he would have made that difficult catch high behind, it would have only been like a six-yard gain because he would have fell down. Now, in the NFL, he could, in the NFL, he could get up, but it gives everybody more time to get to him. Uh, in the 7-on-7, seven seven, he ran a stick route about 10 yards of depth in between zone defenders, hit him in the hands, dropped it, very catchable, has to make that catch. And then in the two-minute drill, he ran a dig route where, again, it was put on him, and he, he just, I don't know, he got hit as it simultaneously the ball arrived, he got hit, and he just... He just dropped it. He had a bad day overall. I thought he blocked okay, but a bad day. And when you make three drops in front of fans who just want to jump at any drop they ever see, you're going to get picked on. Again, Austin Hooper is the number one tight end for the foreseeable part of this year. If this comes to fruition, that he, he has the yips, he can't catch it consistently, we see some of the things we saw last year, you probably will see... David Njoku get more opportunities and slide into eventually taking that role. But they won't just tomorrow, oh, David's our number one tight end now. Austin's going to keep getting those reps until he becomes a really big problem. And you can't say after one practice it's just a really big problem. We'll see. Again, a bad day. Very clearly a bad day. And I thought David had a nice day. Caught a seam touchdown. Had some plays in 7-on-7. Seven seven, some one-on-one -on -one catches. Went up and caught a ball on a fade, which is his specialty in the corner of the end zone to end practice. David's good. They should get David more reps, but it shouldn't take Austin Hooper playing poorly to get David more reps. I think David just need more, needs more reps, period. He needs a higher snap count. He needs a higher target share. We'll see how that shakes out, but Austin Hooper is going to continue to be a big part of what they do because he blocks so well. And David was David was fine blocking today. I thought he had a couple zone reps I didn't love, but he was fine. I thought Njoku had a nice day. I thought Harrison Bryan had a heck of a day. Caught two touchdowns, two difficult touchdown catches. Caught a really deep curl about 15 yards downfield on a timing throw up the seam in two minute from Keenum. I really liked that catch. Inconsistent blocking from the things I've reviewed, watching it, running it back, and rewatching the clips like I have. But he's a hard-working blocker. Former ta I think he's... He's got everything he needs to take a jump this year, and I, I was really encouraged by how confident he looked because we haven't heard much about Hooper in these in these camp practice sessions. So, um, 
other things, I mean, I guess the last thing to note is quarterback. I thought Baker was really sharp early, completed some touchdown throws, not just in team and red zone, but uh, he also had a nice seven-on-seven period, uh, throwing with, with nice, crisp timing. He missed uh, a ball to Hooper high on the left sideline. In two, two minutes, it just kind of fell apart, and I don't, you never know what they're working on that day or what went wrong, but I just didn't like it. Double pumping, missing some people. The, the second team defense, when they were doing two minute, it was the first team offense against second team defense, and then the second team offense against first team defense. Uh, and he just was off. He had a couple deep throws that were out of like out of bounds when he was trying to throw them pinpoint accuracy. Didn't like those throws because you got to give your guys a chance. He was like I said, missed that ball to Jarvis, or he just never saw him. He threw high on the left sideline on a sail route to Hooper that was over his head. It was in, it was a little discouraging because I thought he had a really great practice for the most part, uh, leading up to the two minute session. So it, it, again, it's it's nothing. It, you know, you have these sessions every now and again. A couple days back at camp practice, they were pretty upset at their seven on seven period. And you know, in red zone, defenses obviously know that you're going to be throwing the football as most practices can be structured where the defense situationally the defense knows what's coming and it gives them a little bit of an advantage. So. Not that all advantages are there for the defense because the offense gets to script plays and sometimes script defenses to match up to it. It's it's all give and take, but I think from a situational standpoint, that helps a little bit. But that's two-minute in the NFL. If it's two minutes, you got 30 seconds, you're on the opposite side of the 50-yard line. The defense knows you're going to be throwing the football to try to get into field goal range and give yourself a chance to get some points. I just didn't like that period from Baker, but... For up until that point, up until two thirty, he was really sharp, and I liked the most. For the most part, I liked what I saw. So I'm not here to sway your opinion one way or the other. But but I just uh, need Baker to be. That's a big. That's a big theme for Baker Mayfield in 2021 is consistency. You could play three great quarters, but if you play bad one quarter, that's this uh, this sort of thing that starts your starts the doom of losing on his, any given day. He could play a great quarter of the season. But then he has a bad quarter of the season, and it's like, okay, well, Baker was good from week seven on. Well, you need Baker to be good from week one to week 17. Consistency should be all he talks about. He needs that consistency from his production and performance, and this team needs it. So, you know, like I said, we'll we'll see as this thing wears on. It's so early in the process. There's three preseason games to play. His number one receiver is coming back. There's a lot of things to get together, get collectively on the same page. I was I was pretty encouraged for, from a collective standpoint. I thought a lot of guys showed a lot of grit, a lot of toughness, a lot of effort. I liked the atmosphere of that practice. I think it's really fun for fans, and I thought the guys got after it. And I'm really excited to see where they end up Saturday night in their first, you know, the first preseason game. As a reminder, that's a Saturday night, not a Sunday night. They'll play that that first preseason game in Jacksonville. So we'll be here before we know it. We have a camp day Tuesday Wednesday Thursday they'll take Friday off do walkthroughs and then all of a sudden you know the the first preseason games here so I will try to get up to one more day of camp next week hopefully check it out see what's going on maybe Wednesday-ish tomorrow I will have Andre Weingarten from EA, EA Sports to talk Madden I do a yearly Madden talk about what's going on with the video game that I've enjoyed throughout my life hopefully you enjoy it too we'll have another talking point as well tomorrow about the Browns and some interesting uh, position battles that are going on and ways and things are shaking out and some injuries that we should probably talk about too we'll get to those as well uh, as usual join the obr discord we have a lot of good conversation going on in that obr discord i think it's really fun and it leads you over to our obr site we will be live on twitch tomorrow night we will go live at seven o'clock we'll have a great guest mark schofield on we're going to talk about a myriad of different things from the days 
practice today. The things that I'm giving you here, we'll talk about those a little bit more depth. Subscribe to the OBR's Twitch. You should do that. Make sure you do that. Very easy to follow us. Then you can subscribe and tie your Amazon Prime to it. And at the at the root of it all, you should be an OBR family member by subscribing to our website because that's where our best, most rich content is. All of our film rooms, all of our analytics data stuff is all there for you. It's the best total package we can offer you uh, between our live content and our website, and you should join us. I appreciate you guys for following along. I have some great questions pop up in the Discord I'm willing to answer and in the Ask the Insider section for subscribers. Uh, I am in there as frequently as I can be. I appreciate you guys. Hopefully these insights were good. If you have any questions, as usual, hit me up on Twitter, DM, Discord, or the Ask the Insider section. I am more than willing to get back to you and talk about this stuff. I appreciate you guys. Have a great Monday, great start to your week, and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.